Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 124, week 124, volume 124, number fucking 124. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Trey of Creeping Death, and that will be coming up later in the show. No single of the week, it's been a very quiet week on that front, but we do have an album of the week. Album of the week comes from Amua, it's titled Hindsight, and it's out now on Sharp Tone Records. This is album number eight for the guys, and it's everything you want and need from an Amua album. Pissed off, heavy, crushing, I loved it. Couldn't get enough of it. I highly recommend it. The album's called Hindsight. Band is called Amua. And it's out now. After you've cranked that album this week, if you haven't already, make sure you go back and hear our chat with Frankie, the vocalist, that was on episode 56. It's now time for feedback, questions, what's been going on. Main thing I want to say this week is a big shout out and mention to everyone and anyone that's listening on a regular basis. Thank you everyone for your constant support. It's really appreciated and we notice it when everyone is not only listening on a regular basis, but they're liking, they're subscribing and they're sharing on their social medias. So again, thank you to all of you. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Enough of the ramblings, let's get into the main part of the show. This week, I got to sit down with Trey of Creeping Death. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So if you haven't heard of the band before, they formed in around 2015. So far, have one album and two EPs to their name. They're a band that I've been following for a while now. I love the way this band genre blends. It's fresh, it's exciting, and it definitely slams. I was beyond excited when Trey and I got in contact and I was able to organise to get him on the show. I loved every bit of this chat and I hope you do too. That chat with Trey is coming up now. Let's start off with what I do with everyone, and it's kind of the same for everyone, and it's, do you remember growing up, and not a heavy band necessarily, but do you remember a musician or an artist that opened your world to music existing? To existing? Um, See, I don't know. Like, growing up for me, like, my parents, uh, they always play, like, my mom is a musician, so, like, she was always you know big into just different styles of music like you know just from jumps like some of my first memories are just like being in the car with my parents just like bumping music real loud so it's like uh it's really it's hard to really pinpoint when that was it's like music has really been a part of my life since i could have my first like you know actual memory i guess you know so uh that's tough but for like playing instruments um I actually didn't really get into listening to guitar music at all until I was about like 12. I only listened to 
uh, hip hop, R and B, uh, souls, you know, stuff like that. Some some eighties music, new wave stuff. My mom would play in the car too. She loves because she loves that shit. So, uh, but I, I didn't really take to the heavier music that she liked because she was um, she was huge Rush fan. So for me, like she made me sit down with like Rush. She was like, "Listen, like watch this video and like let's like jam this." And I was like, "Holy shit! Like that's crazy!" Like Neil Peart, like the drum solo uh, part in Tom Sawyer. And I was just mm-hmm. like, "I want to do that. Like I want to learn how to do that." And she was like, "Okay, cool." So, and I mean, like she had always bought me toys and stuff like that as a kid that were like drums or pianos or like just different musical toys and things like that. So it was just kind of like always kind of there uh, but I, I didn't really take a real hard interest till I was about 12 when um, I guess you could say Neil Peart did that for me I, I that's the reason I wanted to play drums and then my mom taught me like the basics of how to play drums uh, she got me a drum set and then um, I was also concurrently I, I started band because we had just moved to Texas around that time when I was like 12 or 13 so it was the first time I could do band in school. So I, I did uh, percussion because I was, you know, had a drum set. So um, I got to learn like sort of the basics, like, uh, and I also learned a lot of stuff just about music and music theory and stuff too back then. It was it was pretty cool. So I mean, early but before that kind of aha moment with Rush, and you start really getting into the instrument side of things. Was music for you just a casual thing? You know, you mentioned how your mum was playing it in the car and all of this, but, you know, was it more of um, no real love for it? It was just around and it was just a thing that you kind of listened to? Uh, I mean, I still loved it. Uh, I Like, my mom, she she would argue with, uh, with me and say, like, oh, no, you were always predisposed to that. Like, you would, she would tell me that I would just jump around and make songs. I have ADD, like, real bad, so... Uh, I can only imagine what I was like as a kid. My parents say it was fun. They said you, I was uh, not too much or anything. But just watching the videos, I was like, I don't know how how I, you guys could have put up with me. But you know, I would just, I guess, like you know, if I'm jumping around, making up songs and stuff, it's probably like pretty pretty ingrained into me. Like uh, I, like I know that for a fact. My mom, uh, and my dad would definitely play a lot of music around me as like when I was like a baby, like a very, very like small infant. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just pretty, uh, it's, it's like a thing that just goes all the way back for me. And um, on my mom's side of the family, they're all musicians too. I just think it might be a thing that is like kind of in my family, you know? Yeah. Which is, which is exciting because clearly by the sounds of things, um, your family not only has music going on in it, with musicians and people playing instruments, but also your, your mum clearly was a motivating factor for you to start learning instruments. Now, you mentioned oh, you mentioned drums. Now, mm-hmm. was Rush the main driven point for drums? And why drums? Because let's be honest, if a lot of people listening, they said to their parents, I want to play drums, I think a lot of parents would say, no, nah, fuck no. Like, that's, that's, just, that's <laughs> yeah. just loud as shit. So... So drums, uh, I, I mean, it helps because my mom is a drummer. She taught, she was the one who taught me. So um, her being a percussionist already, uh, that was basically the driving, motivating factor. She's all, she was always drumming on the car, drumming in the house, just drumming on stuff. And she was super hyped when I wanted to like actually start playing and got like a drum set. And you know, she was able to teach me and all that stuff. So 
Uh, yeah, that's why drums was first for me. You know, it was just her instrument and the one that she kind of passed on. And uh, honestly, if I have to be real, I think drums is the most fun. Like drum, it's the most cathartic. It's the most like energy. Like, I don't know. I just for me as a person, I guess for a little kid with ADD, it's really good to be able to just fucking beat on shit. But yeah, it's not for it's definitely not for everyone. Like a lot of people can't put up with the 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 because uh, I always tell people the the jump into playing drums is like the steepest at first but once you get over the first ledge it's like downhill so quick and you just get so much better so fast as opposed to guitar where you can pluck around for a long time but you don't really ever you know sometimes you don't really get to a point where you feel like you're you're going downhill like I, at least i didn't when i when i picked up playing guitar a little bit later in life um so yeah, that that's another thing. So but a lot of people don't want to get past that point of you know, oh wow, this sounds like shit. Um, to when it does sound good because it is loud. Um, but I would still, I would still want if you're you know if you want your kid to play music, I would say starting them on on drums uh, and having a background, let's say maybe playing piano is like really like all you need, dude. Like the rhythm, getting the rhythm part, every instrument will come to you so much quicker. And then if you know how to uh, understand like a piano and how that works then you can pick up guitar really quick too it's really just kind of transposed a little bit different so um, that's you know that kind of helped me in learning instruments and stuff so um, I would hope that parents would be able to listen and be like put up with it for that initial moment and then kind of you know suffer through because I think the benefits are like really good yeah, I, I agree and I also you know think it's spot on with the even if you don't have ADHD it's still great for venting and outletting to smash the shit out of a bunch of instruments or the drums um the only downside f- um with anyone that knows they're, if they're in a band or not is the amount of shit you got to lug um around <laughs> yeah um, that is literally sure. the only negative um the mo- the moving part so many moving parts oh I know and you you got to make sure you're in a band that people are willing to help you out and carry some of that shit um otherwise kind of our drummer's lucky because I'm also a drummer, so I'm always the one. Like, unless I have to hurry up and get my shit off stage real quick, then I'm always helping Lincoln tear set up, tear down because I know how that shit is, you know. Um, so you know, you mentioned your musical taste kind of really started to evolve around the rush time, around starting to do drumming. But where did you progress with the music listening to it get to? being into a heavier style was there a couple of bands that started to really develop your style into a heavier side or was it literally just naturally grew um it kind of just uh so basically the first wave of stuff that my mom like kind of passed along to me was like rush um but the rest of it was like metallica she gave me a copy of uh, ride the lightning she had on cd um i used to i used to listen to that walking to the bus stop (laughs) as when i was like first moving here i remember that memory um and then uh she also you know gave like told me that like youtube was a thing around that time so i would just you know she was like oh check out like listen listen to slayer or like listen to this song by slayer or like listen to this song by pantera or like you know stuff like that so it was really like for me the heavier band started pretty much immediately with like a lot of like metal and like thrash metal and stuff like that. And she was also really big into like hair metal. 
Uh, so for me, as a kid with no really knowledge of genres and subgenres, it was just all guitar music to me back then. So it, it was like this weird mix of stuff that I was kind of getting from either YouTube related videos or just like my parents or uh, my best friend, like my best friend I was just talking about, um, who, whose wife is Australian. Um, we've been friends since basically I moved to Texas as well. And his dad was really into like punk and stuff. And I, again, I thought this was all guitar music. I, I had no idea that I was listening to like uh, hardcore bands like Bad Brains and, you know, uh, Minor Thread and stuff like that. And he would, that's the kind of stuff he like showed me. So I would look up stuff like that. And, you know, it was just, that's kind of how it started. It was just like this overall thing. It wasn't like, it was just guitar music. It was, it did, I, I didn't, wasn't able to separate it yet, you know? Well, that's great though. That, that's, you know, when you look back on it, the fact that you can't separate it actually is in the long term probably a bit rewarding because you're just into it for the sake of it being into it. Absolutely. And it was funny, especially like uh, getting into like hardcore, like the heart, like in te- like in as a scene thing uh, later on in life, knowing that I was like, oh shit, this is like one of the m- most seminal hardcore bands. Like, I, I had no idea. I was just listening to this in tw- when I was 12 because my friend's dad was like, hey, these dudes have, they're black and have dreads like you. And I was like, cool, I'll check it out. So that, you know, it's, it's just kind of funny and crazy to look back at that stuff. But yeah, dude, it was just, you know, it kind of just cascades to one thing to another. Basically, my, all, all my music taste was formed by like, oh, like, let's check this out. And then I would just kind of like, if I liked it, I would deep, deep dive the YouTube related videos and just find a lot of other stuff. And, you know, it just kind of progressed from, you know, you, from the more the punk side stuff, you know, my chemical romance videos would show up and uh, every 12 year old back then in 2006, 2005, 2006, you know, come like that was their shit. So, you know, obviously got hooked into that. That got me into uh, the imagery and all of that. this just kind of got me into different just stuff you know i i wouldn't say it's close to like anything like metalcore but like just the aesthetic and just music having aesthetic definitely pushed me more towards like the metalcore side and then obviously like you you dig into that you get into deathcore and all that and then you you just progressed like um i got really into prog for a minute and then i got uh that's when i about when i started to listen to hardcore was uh, i was probably about 17 or 18 and um, that's kind of when I got uh, in, really into hardcore punk, like really deep into it. And then like right after that is when I discovered like death metal, really, because I had been a metal guy. I had always loved thrash metal and stuff like that, as you can see by the first few heavy bands that I listened to. Um, but I didn't really get into death metal until like way later, until I was probably about 18 or 19. And that's when I was like, oh, shit, well, I've been sleeping on this shit for so long because it uh, you know, again, like aesthetics being part of music was a big thing for me. So uh, at the time, like, I don't give a shit anymore because I'm a grown man. But like, it was just very intimidating at first for me. So um, I was like, yeah, you know, I haven't really checked in anything like that. And then I finally did. And I was like, yo, this is the fucking the shit. Like as far as like aggressive music goes, I was like, this is this is everything that I like about every other style put together for me. So that that was really cool to just kind of progress from all this stuff just kind of just take this trip down uh, to where I end up now. And now I feel like my music taste is like pretty diverse, not just with guitar music, but just with music in general. Like I would probably say I listen to 60% is probably like hip hop and rap. 
Like, I, that's what I listen to, the lion's share. And then I would probably say 20% would be metal, and then the other 20% is spread out between just um, anything between new wave, emo stuff, um, just rock, just any sort of, like, rock or soft stuff or just indie or just pop music, too. It's, like, all that is just kind of spread into that, like, 20%. So, um um, my my journey is kind of taking a weird turn, but I kind of uh, like where I ended up, you know. Yeah, I think I think it's quite exciting and interesting that it was such a natural um, and organic progression with your style and what you're saying about nowadays. I think that's natural for for a lot of people. The older you get, you find that your musical tastes become a lot broader, um, and the advantages for someone like yourself who's in a band who's writing music. Uh, performing music is you're not pigeonholing yourself with your influences and what you're taking from things you've got a very broad spectrum that you can draw from for writing music absolutely uh and you know that's that's another thing i love about like my bandmates as well because they they're coming from uh, a similar place where they all can't like started their journey through music a completely different way than i did so we all have similar taste in music but we all definitely have very very different tastes in music so uh, you know being able to get ideas from everyone just being able to come from a different place from a, something that i oh i wouldn't have thought about that like that's a good idea let's try it that way you know it's like it's like that's uh i feel like that uh teamwork is really what makes uh you know, our band work really as well uh, as it does. Uh, I wouldn't be able to write uh, like everything in it and it sound nearly as good like uh, as it comes out as on the records. I Basically, my, you know, the team uh, helps so much and we all help each other so much. It's definitely a major team effort. Uh, I like it's definitely the uh, the way to go, it's at least our, our, our artistic process for sure. Uh, it's the way to go. I, I think that diversity really uh, helps us because we take a lot of influences from uh, a lot of different like death metal bands and stuff like that that maybe wouldn't necessarily sound uh, similar together. And to make it not sound all disjointed and make it sound like one cohesive thing, you know, it takes a lot of different um um, you know, views and different uh, ways of looking at things to try to put that together. It also, I mean, you know, it also means that you guys also, and it's not a bang on any band that does it, you know, but it stops you guys being stale in a way that every release is the same four or five songs or the same 10 songs. It keeps you guys yeah. in a way of staying fresh. But I want to, before we get into all, the exciting creeping death stuff. Just want to go back to high school. Um, what was your focus like in high school? You know, you've got parents and family that, that are very music geared, as you said, you know, mom, your mum with drums and this stuff. So are you at high school only caring about music and band? Oh, no. <laughs> so I was actually, okay, so um, my parents, like, as also being very into music, they're very into sports. Uh, both of my parents played football, like uh, American football, um, back when they were younger and in high school. Uh, my mom eventually quit, actually, and then joined the cheerleading squad instead. So she has been tied to football her whole life. So is my dad. They're diehard football fans. Uh, so I, all, you know, music uh, also growing up and then concurrently it was like sports. It was like 
football, basketball, uh, all that stuff. But I really took to football. And then moving to Texas, it's like that it's the state known for football. So it's like, you know, I was super into playing football here. So that's actually why I, I was in drumline my freshman year and I quit because I wanted to continue to play football instead because I was also on the freshman team at the time. And I was like, I can't, there's not enough time in the, in the day. <laughs> I can't do this. Like, this is just too much. Like I was having to, to go to practice in the mornings, you know, six, eight, five, six in the morning. And then we'd have like a weightlifting session and then we'd go to class. And then my first period would be banned. And then I would do, you know, rehearsal in that period. And then I would also have music theory later on, uh, on a different day. Uh, Cause we had a days and B days. So our schedules were different every other day. So I had music theory on the other day. And then after school, after um, like after everything is all said and done, I would have to go down uh, to the field house, do another workout and then do uh, band practice basically after. And I was like, this is too much. Like, I can't I can't do this. This is crazy. Like my grades were shitty and it sucked. So I, I just after that year, I just quit that one and continued to play football uh, all four years and. I was all right. Like I, I was never like I was a starter, but I was never like the the guy. I guess I could have like played somewhere really shitty and small, but I didn't love it that like enough to want to do that. I would rather just have the college experience. And that's just kind of why I decided to just kind of call it an end to that, because I was like, yeah, I don't really have what it takes to actually play at a college somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, it was it's kind of funny. Like I was. Music was in high school was definitely a hobby thing. My again, I'm bringing up Preston, my best friend, but he was the guitar guy and I was the drum guy. He would come over and we would just jam, just make shit up. Um, so yeah, that that was kind of how that went for most of my years in high school, anyway. So basically, you know, that's quite that's quite an interesting story. So you basically you decide freshman year to switch to focusing on football. And then at the end of high school, you decide that maybe football's not the way to go. And then what, you switch back to music? Um, I wasn't, I don't think I did switch back. I guess it kind of like kept going, I would say. So I kind of graduated uh, high school. I was like, okay, this playing college football is not a thing in my future at all. So uh, that was like when I actually, around the time I started to play guitar because um, I got my parents had gotten me a guitar for Christmas like uh, one year when I was in high school. But I, of course, like every other high school kid, you get a gift and you don't touch it for two years. <laughs> so I, it wasn't really until I would say my second half of uh, my freshman year of college when I was going 18, going on 19, when I started to try to pick up the guitar again. When I was, I was pretty much 19 years old already because um, uh, my birthday's in April. So. Yeah, that was I was basically 19 when I was seriously playing, like starting to play like every day and trying to teach myself how to how to play for real. Uh, so, yeah. And then after that, you know, that's right around the time where I started to go to local hardcore shows. And I had been going to like local like metalcore shows for like the last year, year and a half or so. So it was just like I was starting to get into this other scene, this newer scene and this newer scene. It was way easier to to play shows be in a band and play shows so we were seeing that me and my friends were like yo let's just start a hardcore band let's because we wanted to just play music so it's like let's just you know do this for fun like we can do this we're in college like we got free time whatever 
so that's kind of how my first band, like it was my first band ever. Um, this band called No Outlet. It was not great. I played drums on it. Drums are okay. I would, if I could go back now, I would tell myself to chill out uh, and <laughs> not try to go so hard. Uh, but yeah, that's just kind of, it was just always a hobby. Even like the beginning of this band, it was just kind of like a hobby. It was just like, oh, this is fun. Like I enjoy playing live music. I enjoy playing music. I enjoy writing music. Like this, this is fun. I, I don't want to do it like serious. Like you don't really jump into playing hardcore music because you're like, oh, I'm gonna fucking get rich. It's like, you just do it for fun. That was just kind of what we were, what we were going for, you know? Well, it's the only way you can have longevity is if you enjoy it. And it's like anything in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that so much, dude. Like, people are like, I, I, I'm like, I see people keep going, like, oh, like, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to do this. I'm like, dude, if it sucks, just don't do it, man. Mm-hmm. Why do you put yourself through that, you know? And as you said, you know, being in a, you know, quote, unquote, heavy band, unless you reach the levels of uh, Slayer and Metallica, you're never going to be making a lot of money. Um, you're going to be living, you know, gig by gig, scraping by. So it has to be a passion thing. And like you said, Absolutely. if you're not enjoying it, stop doing it because you only have one life. Um, and when you get older, you're going to feel like you wasted your time doing something you didn't enjoy. Exactly, exactly, man. Um, now, you mentioned, you know, the, the first band, No Outlet, and you mentioned uh, the local scene. Texas being a big state... Uh, what was the local scene like? Was it really thriving? Were there a lot of bands that you could see were making it? Was it what was the local small band scene like? Um, so for the hardcore scene in Dallas uh, back then, um, it was being built. Well, when I first started going, it was pretty crazy. Um, it was everything, you know, just like with anything, it goes. It, it, there's peaks and valleys. Um, there's years where the scene is doing great and, you know, something happens, a venue closes or whatnot, and it kind of goes down. But when I first started to going uh, to go to sh- hardcore shows here, uh, what kept me going around is that every show I was going to was fucking crazy. So it was definitely a period that was, like, booming in the sense. And I think why that it was was because um, – and I, I, since I started to go to shows around 2010, 2011 – um, I can't really say to what was going on, say 2005 to 2010, but my friends who were around there and were in the bands, they said that basically in 2005 there wasn't shit, and they kind of like a uh, small group of kids kind of like built it up. There was a venue in Dallas that they could play a lot of shows there, and it just kind of got built up. And then uh, Power Trip, they're from the same area. They started in about 2008. They were, in, they were part of that group that really, really put in the work to, to build up the scene. So by the time I'm around, say, 2010, 2011, they've been a band for three, four years. They've toured uh, the country already, at least in the hardcore sense. So they're, they're a big, popular band. So if you have, like, sort of a, a flagship band and you have, like, venues that you can play at, then your scene is really going to, like, uh, benefit from that. And I think that... Our scene really did, uh, and then obviously Power Trip continued on the trajectory that they did, and now I, they're arguably the biggest like contemporary thrash act, or you know even metal act period in in the world. They're one of the top ones, so uh, you know a lot a lot of those early shows were pretty lit because of you know a lot of that that they uh, built up, and there was other bands too. Um, believe it or not, End Times was a band back then too. It's been it had a lot of reincarnations, a lot of different members and stuff before I joined. Um, but they they came up with them back then. 
um, band um, from San Antonio, Bitter End. Um, they mm. were from about a little bit earlier. Uh, same with Iron Age. Iron Age is what really started, not started, but they were a big influence on Power Trip. Uh, so bands like that really kind of built up the, the Texas kind of scene. There's a, probably a lot of other bands um, that the old heads would be yelling at me for <laughs> for missing, but those are those are the ones that I feel like were were most relevant to me anyway. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of like how um, it was at least back then. And then once I started to play in bands, they kind of started to get bigger. Um, and then kind of obviously do their thing in the national stage. And then obviously more bands have to step up to be that kind of local kind of thing. Um, so there was like a few bands here and there that kind of kind of did that. But there was a period of time where we lost one of our main venues. Um, I don't know if you remember there in America, there was a there was a fire at some sort of um, like local. It was like a venue of some sorts. Um, but it was like they were having a rave there and there was a fire and a bunch of people died. And basically a bunch of uh, alt-right people on 4chan and on the internet used it as an opportunity to shut down a lot of uh, DIY venues because uh, they were citing like fire code and shit like that. And unfortunately, one of the venues was our, the venue 1919 in Fort Worth. And there's they tried to bring it back and stuff, but it, a lot of shady stuff happened and it didn't. It just didn't work. So it's, it's now it's not a thing. Um, luckily the scene has rebounded, uh, pretty good, pretty good since then. But you know, that's just kind of the shit that happens. It's like, it goes up and down. Um, so for the first few years, it's really up. And then, you know, for a few years there in the middle, it was really down, but you know, it's coming back up and it's, it's in a good spot. Uh, at least it was before COVID and stuff happened. Yeah. Well, COVID, yeah, it's, you know, done a few things, but yeah, you mentioned Power Trip. Big shout out to uh, Riley, who's been on the show, an absolute fucking uh, legend himself. Um, I think it helps when you know a local scene, like you said, has a band like that that is not only doing a lot for the local scene, but the overall um, musical landscape. And also helps that they're good dudes. I mean, that helps as well. Um, so big, absolutely, big shout out to Riley. Yeah, they're, they've been our big homies for a minute. They, uh, Riley and our Reese actually have been neighbors for at least cl- a few times, probably, with throughout the years, just living in different places in Dallas. They've known each other for a minute. Uh, me and Nick and Blake are in a fantasy football league together. So, oh. you know, we, we all we all uh, go way back. Um, they used to a couple of them used to live in Denton when I was in college, uh, living there. We'd hang out and, you know, watch football, eat pizza, you know, just do dude shit <laughs> <laughs> now let's get into a bit of the no outlet stuff that you mentioned you know and you're you're smashing the skins um you're doing your thing you're in the local scene and what happened with no outlet because obviously listeners will know that's not the band that you're now known for so did it fizzle out did you guys just maybe reach the maximum capacity that you could with that band like what happened with that outfit uh, basically, uh, you know, that's kind of what happened It was, at the time. It, like it while you could get on shows a lot easier, um, if your band wasn't one of the bigger bands, it was harder to get on like, uh, you know, a really, really top tier show at the time. Um, I mean, we got on a few of them for sure. It wasn't like we just played shitty shows only, but you know, after a while, it's just like, oh, this is obviously, uh, you know, we went on like one tour through the Midwest and it was like, oh, okay, well maybe. Maybe this is like not the not the thing. I wanted to continue to play just maybe around Texas, but 
uh, one of the other guitar player, uh, he was, he went and actually started Captain Line. And then once Captain Line started, everyone kind of like really fucked with that. So he was just like, oh, I just don't really want to do this one anymore. So I was like, all right, that's cool. There's no worries. And then I didn't have a band for a while. So then that's when I was really primarily writing a lot of the Creeping Death shit that ended up being Creeping Death. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I was just kind of like, uh, you know, like every hardcore band, it's like, it has like, you do your thing for a few years, you see if it's like, really, it's like, oh, do I really want to keep doing this? And uh, we kind of had written ourselves into a box. It's like, oh, we don't really want to play like this kind of style, but it's like, we can't really completely change it. Cause it would be like, uh, why don't, why don't we just start a different band? So it was just like, ah, oh, whatever. It wasn't really like a big, super big deal, you know? And, you know, you, you mentioned you started writing stuff for Creeping Death. And obviously at this stage, you know, you've been playing drums for a while. You're teaching yourself and learning guitar. Initially with Creeping Death, when you started out, um, it's a two-side question. One, what were you thinking instrument-wise you were going to play? And number two, where were you, where were you heading stylistically? Like, did you have a vision for what you wanted the sound of the band to be? Oh, yeah. So this is actually there's a two part answer to this question, because um, Creeping Death, uh, when it started in 2015, uh, it kind of uh, was a different incarnation of what I kind of wanted to do in, say, 2013, 2014. Um, So basically the first kind of demos I did, uh, my friend Jason, uh, he recorded uh, like kind of like bedroom demos. I just we just threw some effects on like a guitar um just plugged in through his computer or whatever and you know just programmed the drums and it was basically like uh i wanted something something like uh harm's way like very kind of hm2 heavy harm's way nails but also like definitely very uh i don't know i don't know really what i was going for i guess that's really what what it was it was like that but with like glass beats and stuff which i guess was the nails thing so it was just like it was kind of more like metallic hardcore inspired i guess uh, i don't know what you would call nails i guess nails is definitely a metal band so they're there you know that's kind of where that came from that was also around the time i had started to really get into uh death metal too so it was like those are the th- bands that i was the most familiar with that i could like pull from i had just basically learned what an hm2 was like where like the origins came from and kind of like got really into the, all of those the swedish bands and stuff Again, YouTube-related videos. You just go down the down the down the list, and you start listening to all these death metal bands and stuff. But it really started with those two hardcore bands. It was like Nails and Harm's Way. I was like, oh, I want to try to do something like this. You know, um, it was around the time uh, heavier music was really like be- becoming like the the wave in DFW. Like, uh, right? It was right when the whole kind of like the metalcore wave came through at least our area of town so i was like i don't really want to play that style but like i want to play something heavy now that people really want to be like play, uh listen to heavy shit so that's kind of where my mind was at um i wrote the demo kind of had some cool riffs here and there never really came to fruition um one of the kids that was in no outlet actually a couple of people that were in no outlet were going to be in that uh incarnation of creeping death we were going to use the name creeping death i didn't actually pick the name it was one of the other kids who was also a big metallica fan he he was like yeah let's just use this band name and we were like cool and uh 
Yeah, that's and then obviously again, bands just it doesn't come to fruition. You don't play a show, you write music, whatever. You don't. It doesn't happen. So time passes. I'm still don't have a band. I kind of jam uh, with this other kid, um, and we we're like, yeah, let's just kind of write some new shit. We were big into death metal at that point. We're like, yo, let's start a death metal band. So try to start some new stuff. Wrote wrote some new songs, and that's what really started the demo. Um, but then I went back and listened to like some of the old stuff I had recorded from way back 2013, 2014. And I was like, oh, some of these riffs are kind of cool. So I just kind of like would sprinkle them in here and there um, all the way, basically all the way up to the last album. Like there's riffs on that, the, on Wretched Illusions that are still from that original kind of throwaway demo I did like 2013 or 14 or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, it was just basically, you know, I wanted to kind of play a more metal, metallic, metal, death metal kind of style uh, with my hardcore friends. You just play it to hardcore kids. Yeah, it wasn't really like something like super serious. Again, like it was just a hobby thing. You know, that's just kind of how all this shit kind of kicked off. <laughs> were, you, were you thinking, you know, you're writing the music. So, you, you know, are you thinking at this stage if Creeping Death does evolve and does get the chance to play shows, um, are you thinking that you're going to be the guitarist of this band or are you thinking I'm going to be the drummer? Oh, no, I'm definitely the guitar player. Like, I was like, uh, that was another thing. It was like, it was, I just wanted to try something new. It was like, I want to play this new style. Uh, I want to play a new instrument, you know, and just kind of get out of my comfort zone, just play, try something out, try something else different. Um, I like playing, like, as much as I said, like I said earlier, I like playing drums more. Like, I physically enjoy playing drums more. But there's something about playing guitar and writing music that challenges you, your brain in a different way. And that's what I really, really liked about playing guitar. It was that, like, oh, I can actually, like, kind of try to apply some other shit to this besides just, like, you know, smashing everything as hard as I can and playing as fast as I can and all this shit. So that was kind of, like, my, uh, my mindset going into switching instruments. So, you know, we know that creeping death there was the 2015 demo um and i assume that that was pretty much just a way of you getting some gigs is that really why you guys released a demo at the time was it a way of kind of you know for anyone listening if you're trying to get a show in the early years a lot of people may not book you because they don't know what you sound like so you kind of need a demo or a song or something to get yourself some momentum yeah absolutely and for us like in the hardcore sense, like you could get away with it sometimes. Like, oh, your homie's throwing this show. It's like, hey, we're starting this new band. We don't have any music yet, but no, throw us on. But we really did want to have like, uh, we don't have like we had music per se like uh, written, but we didn't have music recorded. So it wasn't like we were like, oh, we need. To we had it recorded shortly after, but we wanted to make sure that at least the product we had was going to be uh, tight and you know, quality, I guess. Um, but yeah, the, the goal was always to, you know, just play gigs, play shows with our friends and stuff like that and play like metal, play, you know, something that was a lot heavier than what was going on around uh, the time in our hardcore scene. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Like what you guys did, um, Demo and the first EP, Sacrament of Death, um, like you said, you know, that there wasn't a lot of that going around. Now, you know, that kind of style that you guys were doing in the early stage has become a l more popular. I don't mean as in um, a, 
mainstream attention. I just mean there is some more more bands around doing that kind of thing, that crusty, thrashy death metal mixed with a splash of hardcore. It's more common. But at, this, at that time, you guys were really quite individual in what was going on. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say uh, other than, say, like I said earlier, Nails of Harm's Way and then mm. uh, Black Breath, Black Breath 2, um, those were like a lot of the kind of uh, first one. They were, they were like the first kind of wave of that, I, I feel like. Uh, but then after a while, it just kind of like not really died out, but it wasn't really as big of a thing, uh, I guess, in hardcore in the sense. So I was just, like I said, I was just really getting into like death metal, like, you know, like death metal, death metal at the time. And I was just trying to do my best with, with the skills I had to write you know what i thought was like actual death metal but you know you, your skills don't match up when you've only been playing for a year year and a half two years so uh you just do what you can and it's just you know you use the influences uh that you kind of have um and what you've taken from like you know playing hardcore shows and stuff like that um so yeah that's just kind of how it uh it was an amalgamation of a lot of cer- different circumstances a lot of circumstances that was just like you know, time and place, you know, kind of, kind of deal. How was the first EP for you guys, um, Sacrament of Death? Did, did it kind of help you? How was the momentum for you guys at the, at the time? Um, so it was pretty much like an upwards, uh, thing from the demo, like from when the demo, when we actually dropped the full demo, I think that was, uh, August of 2015, uh, we dropped the first song in like July 2015, and I think we played our first show in June of 2015. So it was all pretty like quick uh, after that, and uh, we did not expect people to like actually like like it. Like so, so I didn't know what to expect at all. Honestly, I was coming from a band before with uh, no outlet, where no one really ever gave a shit about it. So when people were actually sharing it and stuff online, I was like oh shit, like this is actually kind of crazy. And then from there, it just kind of like just kept going. We just kept playing more and more shows. And once you have music, you know, you can like, hey, check this out. Like, you know, and then people were asking us to come play uh, places in different parts of Texas. And for the first few years, it was just like we were just going to, you know, San Antonio, Austin, Houston, you know, places like that, uh, just throughout Texas. Um, Texas is cool because it's big enough that you can do that. There's so many major cities in the United States. Uh, I think the top, uh, they have like five or six of the top 25 or something like that. So you can really do a pretty substantial little run just in your own state and then go home. So, you know, that helps. And then eventually, you know, just uh, people outside, like, you know, it starts in the southeast and then just kind of migrates up. Um, And the more you have music out, the more you can kind of... uh, push that out there i guess um so with sacrament that one was in 2016 a lot of those songs were actually uh either done or almost done by the time we were like recording our demo but we weren't really like finished with them so we didn't want to put them on the demo we were just like let's just like tighten them up and then we'll put we'll do something else later and that's just kind of what we ended up doing uh, we finally rec- I want to say that one came out and I can think I said 2016 mm-hmm. and after that 2016 to 2018 uh, we just played around Texas a bunch 2017 we uh, went on our first tour and through the throughout the Midwest um, 
So that was, uh, we were able to do all of that with just through, uh, sacrament and, uh, the demo, which was pretty cool, I think. And those, you know, you mentioned after the EP came out, you know, you're going around Texas, you're getting out on some, you know, weekenders and some tours and stuff. And what's it like at that stage for you guys with crowds? Are you finding it easy to win them over with the style you're playing? Or are you finding that, you know, some people are not into it because they only want the hardcore element or some people only want the death metal element? You know, what's the reception like in a live setting in the early few years for you guys? So we were only playing like hardcore shows uh, pretty much exclusively from like 2015 to about 28, almost 2018. Uh, so it, kids just want to spin kick. <laughs> if you get to a, do uh, you get to a breakdown part? You get to a heavy part. You know, they're just they just want to fucking fight each other. That that's pretty much how it went. You know, not a lot of circle pits. I was like, okay, you you guys are. I can see you like bobbing along and jamming out but you got to just stand there and then we would just get to the you know the the fight riff or the, the you know the mid-tempo part and everyone can start moshing and stuff so that's kind of how it went um at first it you know it just was you know people don't know you and then you play around more and more and it was just like oh shit like people are actually like going pretty hard like kind of everywhere and then after a while it's just like you know we haven't really had a, a bad show and in, in the in the in the old hometown in a very 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 long time so um it's it's been pretty great we are we have a pretty great reaction in, in texas it's pretty sweet you're also a band that you know you obviously enjoy what you do but you obviously also put in the hard work you know you're willing to do the yards that need to be done um, is that something that just comes naturally to you or is it something that you're very conscious about that you have to work hard at this thing? I mean, uh, for us, I think it was more like, well, this Well, for me personally, on a personal level, I, um, I don't really look, if I'm going to do something, I'm trying to do it the best I possibly can, whether it be, you know, playing music, playing sports, playing video games. I, I'm I guess it comes from a place of being very competitive and it's not music isn't a competition, but I just want to do the best I possibly can. Like I don't, I don't want to half-ass something like the, the only way I half-ass shit is if I don't really care about it. Like school, like I half-ass college pretty bad, not going to lie, but I probably didn't give a shit about it, but things I care about with that, I was like really into like playing music. And at the time when I was playing sports, I was really dedicated to it and really into it. So that's just kind of like how I operate, I guess. If, if, if I'm really, really about it and something I really enjoy, I'm going to hyper-focus in on it and try to do the best I can. And uh, on a band level, we got the when we got the email from E1 and we kind of figured out like, oh shit, this is like legit. Like th- we're going to have to, like if we're going to do this, like we got to do it for real. Like we all agree. It's like, hey, if we're going to do this, like we're going to go hard as fuck. Like we're not going to, again, half-ass it. We're, we're going to, you know, tour as much as we possibly physically can and you know we're going to try to build everything and you know do the do the work that uh you know you got to my dad calls it the shitty little jobs that Mm. um you know he's like you have no you got to do the shitty little jobs that no one ever no one ever sees um to get to the point of like you know being at the point where people see you and you're like they're like wow you know so you know we're just trying to put in the work uh right now you know we're still not at that point and we were, you know, we were, we had great momentum before all this shit happened. Um, but, you know, 
we're not um we're not bummed out i mean we're bummed out but we're not like resting on our laurels we're not just gonna sit around we're writing new music right now and um we have actually quite a bit of new songs we've written in quarantine so uh you know when we come out of this we'll have some new stuff uh hopefully uh we'll just be ready to go like you know we're not gonna you know we're not gonna just sit around and just like oh you know we don't have any tour offers right now um so we're not gonna do anything no we're gonna write music and and we do have stuff for 2021 uh looking forward to the future so it's not all bad and once things pick back up we're still gonna hit it just as hard as we did before yeah fuck you brother that's what i like to hear um go back to second ep specter of war um at the time, what was the thinking behind doing another EP? Was it, you know, that's all you had ready? Or did you think about maybe doing an album at that stage and you just maybe happened to do an EP instead? Because some bands will will just release one EP and then go straight into the full length. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, like, personally for me, I, I like... Uh, the, we wanted to do the hard well, again we're hardcore kids so we're doing what we were used to in hardcore usually you don't do an lp unless you get someone to like kind of put it out even though nowadays uh, it's a lot easier to be self-released you can just put your own shit up on spotify and it's fine um but we you know we, it was, wasn't something even though it was only a few years ago uh we were still really doing the model of that we had known when we were going to shows was that like you got a demo and then you got another ep and then an ep and then maybe like some label will give you a chance on an lp or maybe you just do an lp yourself or whatever you know so that's that's kind of what we were really thinking it, it wasn't like oh we got to do an lp after this we were like oh we kind of want to keep uh you know our name out there we have these songs that we really like that we feel like we're a lot better than the songs on uh sacrament and we were like yeah, let's let's get these songs out right now, and we'll just keep writing. Like that's the thing it was like we were just gonna keep writing throughout, but we wanted to keep releasing music at the same time. We didn't want to wait like a long time in between kind of dropping stuff because we were realizing that you know uh, things move pretty quick, at least staying sort of relevant. So you know, keep keep your name out there. And it was again like it while it, it sounds like we were taking it seriously, it, we you know I just want to do everything like the best that we can with the time that we had, like I was still in college. So I was uh, like, even I was slacking off, but I was still had responsibilities and stuff. So we, we still really only did stuff uh, or recorded stuff between, you know, what the schedules that we had available at the time. So it wasn't like it was some pro shit, uh, but we just wanted to do as good as, again, as good as we could with, you know, the, the resources we had. Um, so that's kind of how that was really uh, born from, I guess. It was like we were just kind of getting better because we had this discussion. We were like, well, we could like write, you know, five more songs, uh, but like this would take us so much longer to, to get out and record. And it's like, do we really want to have this out in like 2019? Because it probably would have ended up coming up in 2019 with the schedule that we had all between us and school and all this stuff um so we were like nah let's just put this out because this was uh this was actually back in 2017 but we actually had a snafu with recording um like getting our mixes back that we didn't actually we weren't actually able to put it out until um basically january 2nd of uh 2017 or 2018 
Um, so ba- technically it came out in 2018, but it was supposed to come out in 2017. Um, but we uh, obviously weren't able to get the mixes back and it was supposed to, we were supposed to shop it to some labels, to some like different hardcore labels or whatever, you know, try to get like a tape release or, you know, maybe get it on wax or something like that. But we, again, we didn't have time because we took, took so long to get our mixes back at the time. So, uh, we just put it out ourselves on the 18th, uh, or not the 18th, the 2nd of January, 2018. And, uh, we went on a winter tour, like right after that. Um, so it was pretty cool. And then after that, like, it was just, it like kind of took off. Like we had another tour in June and then we got the email from E1. So <laughs> that's kind of how that went. Yeah. It feels like that EP was, like you said, it did take off. It felt like, you know, out of nowhere, um, a lot of outlets were talking about creeping death. Um, there was out of nowhere, uh, a bit of a buzz, um, in a good way. And when I mean out of nowhere, I don't mean it as in um, undeserving or anything like that. I just mean that for P- outlets that weren't talking about you guys, now they were talking about you guys. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah, a big a big upswing um, in momentum. And one of those big upswings in momentum, as you mentioned, got you the link to E1. Uh, what happened there? And were you at any stage thinking... You know, maybe we don't go with E1. Maybe we shop around and see if we can get someone else. As you say, maybe a more hardcore label. Uh, okay, so for for us, um, basically how it happened was uh, we didn't have any sort. Of, we again being hardcore kids, we we didn't have any sort of manager, any sort of booking agent. Every tour, every show, every everything we had done previously, we did it booked it ourselves so our good friends in this band called breaking wheel they're from michigan um they wanted to go on tour with us uh and they were like hey we got this booking agent and he'll book us this tour and blah 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 you know we were like cool yeah we're down so basically i I, this is what i at least the impression i i was under uh maybe i should get this story straight because i've tried to tell it many times uh but i actually can't really confirm it but i am pretty sure that what happened was um, basically someone was booking, uh, he was booking the show at this venue in Jacksonville. And uh, this guy, our friend, um, he became our friend later named Mike. I guess he had, he, he was like, whoa, this is sick. And I guess he passed it on to um, the, I, I, I guess he knows Bill, Bill Meese, the, the head of uh, marketing for E1. Or, or, um, so he passed it along to him or pass it along to someone who passed it along to bill somehow bill got a hold of it um and he was like this is incredible like i, I really like this like can we get a hold of this band but of course we didn't have a booking agent a manager or anything we didn't have anything official like that so basically he uh they were like hey do you have a contact for this band and the booking agent was like uh no but i guess i could like email them so uh <laughs> James, uh, he would, uh, he, he would become our manager later. He, he emailed us, was like, Hey, like this, this label is like trying to get a hold of you guys and like blah, blah, blah. And he basically just helped us out being a late be a, like a liaison between us and the label. Cause we didn't know what the fuck we were just hardcore kids. We didn't know what the fuck was going on. And, um, once we got more information, like after we got that first email, we were like, 
well, okay, this is kind of crazy. Like, this is really official looking. Um, we looked into, did research and looked into E1 and what it was. And we were very confused at first about what they wanted. Like, we were like, okay, it looks like they have, like, TV, film, like, music. Like, do they have, like, they looked like they had a management group. Like, it was a whole bunch of shit. And we were like, I don't know what they want from us, like, what or what this is. But this looks pretty pretty insane like once we went went down the roster and it was like you know they got death row records like uh like mm-hmm. catalog on there so like snoop dog and like all that shit and like the game is on there and it's like you see all these like acts that are like big national acts like you know grammy nominated people and you're like holy shit like are they sure that they are contacting the right people <laughs> we made sure like two or three times that hey are you sure you're not looking for like a creeping death that's like some like metallica cover band somewhere and then this was like an accident and like this is these are the right people and they were like yeah no they're talking about you guys and then they sent us another email about like actually what what they wanted to do you know like sign us and do all this shit and uh we didn't even think it didn't even think twice our only thought was like hey if we do sign this it's like we're gonna have to actually do this for real it's like is this something that we all are want want and want to do and i was like yeah fuck like i wanted to personally because i had just graduated school literally in may and this was in june and i was on tour and i was like making my linkedin account and all this shit and i was like looking for jobs and shit and i was i didn't really want to do that and i was like yeah you know what i'm just gonna do this like who who's you know with me and obviously lincoln uh he his dad was a drummer uh he played in metal thrash metal bands in the 90s and stuff uh, so he was like, yeah, this is what I've always wanted to do. Um, and then everyone else was Reese was on board. And, you know, so everybody, everyone just kind of Rico hopped in. So everyone was on board. We were like, hey, like we talked about earlier, um, if we were going to do this, we're going to do this for real and do it as hard as we possibly can, because obviously this is a big label and they're probably going to expect us to actually do shit and not just fucking sit on our asses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does it put any. um extra pressure you know you said you know we're going to have to step up you know we've got to take this seriously but you know at any stage um are you worried uh, about the pressure and expectation and nerves that come with signing to a label because not only is it a label but it's a fucking label like you said that's got like snoop dogg on its fucking catalog and shit yeah at first it was like that and then we actually like met them for the first time and now that we've actually had a lot of contact, no joke, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on the label, but E1 has some of the best like artist relation, like I feel like in the industry, because they, and I'm not the only one who's saying this. You can go and find an interview with the game on the Breakfast Club from a couple years ago, where he's talking about it, and he's like, "Yeah, E1 is the shit. Like they take care of their artists. They they care about your creative process. They don't." They're not trying to like put all of like their, you know, their shit into your music. Like they want, they really just want you to do your thing and then they're going to support you. And that's really cool. That was my main thing. I was just like, is, are they going to like tell us like how to fucking dress and like do all this shit? And I was like, yo, if they're going to do that, then I'm not fucking with it. Like I'm not going to deal with that, but it's not, not even close to the case. Like we have complete creative control. They actually not only do we have complete creative control, they actually like our ideas like a lot. Like we pretty much kind of 
you know, it's a, it's a very open communication line and it's really, it's really cool. You know, we have a lot of freedom in what we can do and what we want to do. So uh, I'm very grateful. We kind of lucked out in that sense. Um, they, they really like us and, you know, they take care of us and we take care of them. They're also a label that, you know, has started to, you know, not including yourselves, but there is more heavy bands on their label now. You know, I know one, I'm really good friends with Ethan of Great American Ghost. Um, you know, they're getting more and more heavy bands on their label, and that's great to see that, you know, they're a diverse label as well. There's great things about being on a just hardcore label, obviously, but there's also great things about being on a label that has the diversity and gives you the power and support that you need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's there's places and things that, Ewan has opened us up to that if we were on a different label, we definitely would not have those same opportunities. So we're definitely thankful for that. And yeah, I think, I think it's awesome that they're, they're trying to, um, you know, get, get a little bit of youth into their, at least their heavy side, their aggressive music side of, um, of their division. I know they just signed, I am recently mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. um, another Dallas band. Um, so it's pretty cool. So, um, and I forget who else. Someone else recently um, just signed, or they will just sign, or something like that. Maybe I shouldn't spill the beans, <laughs> <laughs> but I know that they're 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 doing a good job of picking up some some newer younger talent, and that's really cool. Now, you know, the signing came, and then obviously, Wretched Illusions, the debut full length, comes out. Um, Wow, I feel like, you know, we said about Spectre of War kind of blowing up a bit and getting a lot of attention. I feel like Illusions just just went above and beyond the attention, you know, well-loved by fans, critics, everything. Um, it feels like that was exactly the step you guys needed, um, release-wise, label-wise, everything. It, it really has set you on a great platform. Yeah, absolutely. I think it kind of... Uh, right place right time kind of deal uh, right place right time right label um, they definitely again like I was saying they opened us up to a lot of different opportunities uh, especially media wise to kind of get our names out there and you know it, it helps that uh, you know the music uh, at least people like the music you know but I, I feel like we're we're pretty interesting and at least as far as like maybe a, like a metal band goes it's not too many metal bands you know black dude with the playing guitar and then you have a dominican guy playing bass and you know bright red long-haired drummer uh, and then a, a persian you know non-binary singer you know so it's like a very it's like a weird dichotomy of things and i think people are really intrigued in that sense uh, and then when the music dropped they're like oh like this this is like this is cool like it matches up like to you know how kind of interesting i guess they they were at least at least that's kind of the vibe i got in the beginning when we were first starting to like really talk to people and they were starting to like post our stuff places that's what the vibe i was i was getting from it at first um, but yeah it was you know that whole process was really cool like we got signed and of like this was 2018 so we had um we keep in mind we had just put out specter so we had no music in the bank at all. So we got signed and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we want a, you know, we want a full length in this amount of time. Can you guys do it? We were like, well, I guess we have to. <laughs> so we just kind of got home from the tour. Um, so I think we started writing in July and then we finished like basically all the rhythm tracks, at least 
in like October. And I think we started pre-pro in November. And then we didn't really get to record until the beginning of January. And then we were signed at that time. So we were starting to get tour offers coming in. So we toured that whole winter. Um, So we had to record in between tours. And then the person who recorded us was also working full time at the time. So we had to work within his schedule as well. So it was all kind of like this weird cluster thing. But we were actually, all things considered, ended up getting it done fairly quick with with, uh, it's far like if you would have told me that we could have gotten the whole thing recorded, mixed and mastered with all of those obstacles in like three or four months, I would have been like, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> like, especially what had happened to with us, with uh, the Spectre EP, with the mixes taking so long. Like, we were just like, oh, shit, here we go again. This is not going to be out till you know, forever. But luckily, you know, we finished, like, we got everything out. Um, then we sent it over to Arthur Rizik, and then uh, he killed it. He got us the mix back super quick, listened to exactly what we wanted to do, like, get some quick tweaks here and there. And we were good to go. And that was like in in uh, the beginning of May, I want to say that all went down. So we were we were, we had sent it off to you know you wanted to listen to it and they loved it and then they sent it off to the to the pressing plant sometime later. So we were like cool. And they were like all right, September is when you know it's gonna come out and we were like sweet. So basically from like we wrote everything from scratch from like July twenty eight and then it was out in september of 2019 so pretty quick turnaround quick turnaround but also the the end product is oh yes like yeah (laughs) love it um thank you it's gotta be a bit frustrating that you know all of this goes into it comes out september and then you're not even able to get a full tour cycle going before you know you can't play live shows anymore and everything's put on pause yeah that was definitely a bummer um i will say i'm thankful for the opportunities we had leading up to that point um some of the best tours that we've ever done as a band the high on fire power trip tour that i'm really glad that went on before all of this because i learned so much and had so much fun and I'd never played to that many people in my life. So that was, that was really sick. Uh, and then we were also able to do the entire terror, um, dare the warriors run on the West coast. And then ha- even though we didn't get to finish it, but I'm still thankful that we got to do half of the, uh, the acacia strain, uh, rotting out chamber fuming mouth tour. Uh, that was, you know, fuming mouth. We had toured with them, that was the third time we had toured with Fuming Mouth in the last three years. So it was, they're, they're our homies. So it was, you know, uh, kind of a bummer to just kind of have to dip out and not really say bye to anyone after. Cause we were like, we were on the, under the assumption that we were going to meet up again. Um, our last date was in on the 11th of March. Uh, we played in Austin and then we had a week off and we we're supposed to meet up with them in Salt Lake City. But obviously that didn't happen, so we really didn't get to say the proper like tour goodbyes that you you know you would normally get to. So that kind of bummed us out. Um, and then obviously having like literally thousands of dollars of merch just like sitting there, and you're having to like you know you got this pandemic going on, people are losing their jobs, and you have to be like, oh hey, can you guys like please buy our merch, please? <laughs> and it's like, ugh, dude, this sucks. Like it, it just all sucked. It was a it was a huge bummer. Um, but yeah, basically we're just trying to 
just like I said earlier, we're just trying to stay busy and, and write music and uh, try to keep the momentum going as best as we possibly can. Well, I mean, it is. It, it's it's being smart of and aware of all this extra time you've got, you know, which is it's bad. You've got the extra time, obviously, because, you know, A, B and C, whatever. But I, you are also being efficient because you're focusing on the writing and you'll come back more prepared. But when you come back, this is an interesting question considering it wasn't too long ago you released a, an album. Are you going to look to come back and straight away hit the ground running with shows or are you going to come back, do some shows and then maybe release some new music? Like what's your tactic for when you can come back to playing shows again? Um, personally, I think we're all under the same boat. It's going to be a uh, long enough time between we're actually going to be able to play shows for real that we'll probably have a, like a substantial amount of new music uh, either written or recorded. So we're you know, we're probably going to just do it simultaneously. Like if we're able to, uh, I think that would probably be our goal. And what we all kind of agreed to, we would probably do something like, I don't think we would write or do something as big as an LP at first, but you know, we would, you know, throw something out there, maybe some new tracks and, you know, keep going. And then maybe, uh, obviously we don't ever really stop writing. So this whole time that that whole time this would be going on and there would also be, you know, tracks and stuff being written. So, um, you know, we just got to basically keep, uh, the momentum going and keep, keep the balls rolling at least, at least, uh, the best you can, I guess. <laughs> so that's kind of what our thought process is, is just, okay, we can release a little trickle things here. Um, keep writing, you know, put out some new music, new LP X some year here or whatever, but you know, just keep, keep it interesting. Keep, uh, keep it interesting for the fans. You know, we don't want to just have nothing for everyone if we're going to be sitting on our asses this whole time. Yeah. And it's quite interesting. And it, uh, it's refreshing to hear you say that you're going to, you know, you are still writing and you might probably most likely release something, uh, EP, whatever it could be, three track, five track, whatever. Um, because consumption of music, um, is still a thing, but it's also interesting that you're going to keep going and keep pushing because, there is a lot of people and experts saying that what's happening with cancelling of shows and stuff will lead to a lot of bands stopping, quitting, and folding. And obviously for you, that's not a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all under... Uh, I think right now we're all pretty fortunate uh, in, in our situations to either still be working or uh, at least on unemployment for the time being that it's uh not really uh you know we can still we can still make this work uh from where we're at right now and we're basically uh our motto is we're just gonna keep doing it until we can't <laughs> until <laughs> you know it absolutely just there's no possible way and at least in my situation i know that there i i, I would be able to make it work i know i think lincoln especially would make it work too because uh his his job before this was he he worked at a, a the house of blues in dallas so mm. it was like I mean, his whole job, uh, everything was tied to music and he doesn't really, not that he doesn't have, I hope Lincoln doesn't listen and think I'm talking shit saying he doesn't have any skills, but <laughs> he's got skills like, but he, you know, he's just been in the music business his whole life. And I don't think, I don't, you know, he, I don't think he, that's going to change. Like, I don't know what he would switch to per se. So I think for some of us, there would be, uh, you know, definitely more, more inclined to just sticking it out and seeing what's up. Um, 
I know AJ, AJ and Reese too. I don't think they really, uh, Eric is the one he, he uh, we're, me and Eric are the college graduates of the band. So Eric really has the flexibility to kind of, if he wants to go back and get a big boy job, he can do that. Um, but you know, I think Eric is also really seems to be in it for the long haul. Um, we're all, we're all pretty invested in it at this point. So I don't think anyone's really like, okay, like, you know, time, you know, we got to hang it up boys. Like, I think we're all pretty much in it for as long as we possibly can. Uh, Lincoln, um, Trey's not saying you're uh, not an attractive man or you know, smart <laughs> man. Um, we're not saying that. We're not saying that. Um, big love to Lincoln um, if he's listening uh, when he listens. Um, I love that that's how you guys are. Uh, I want to ask your opinion on with possible side effects and after effects on the industry or especially the heavy music side of the industry because it is a very underground movement yes there is some main mainstream attention occasionally there are bands that blow up and get big but do you think this whole thing that's happened with tours stopping stopping bands with all this merch they can't sell do you think this will make bands change and evolve the way they do things or do you think this is going to possibly wipe out and remove a lot of bands from the scene per se um i think a little bit of both um i think just i guess um you know we call this a subculture um i think it's indicative of the culture at large that we're all gonna have to change the way we operate and the way we move from you know going forward uh, period so I, I don't think that is exclusive to you know just any i feel like that's the same for like all all scenes you know um and ours it's a little bit harder because it's a little more niche so but uh, i think that helps it in a sense where the fans are still when they are able are still going to be able to go out and still support and still be you know very rabid and very hungry for shows um it's just if that you know that point to when it's safe to do that uh or when people feel safe or whatever however we want to word it um is can can a lot of bands hang on uh for that long you know a lot of people are you know they, they're not as fortunate where they have uh jobs and and stuff like that or you know they have to when things come back you know they're tapped into savings because they got laid off because xyz you know so it's like a lot of people you know won't have the same ability to do this stuff um and that's you know really sad i hope a lot of people are able to weather the storm um but you know just some people just won't some people will be by the time we can play they'll be older a lot of people have families they gotta think about other things think about other priorities things of that nature um so i you know i completely understand you know um, but as far as, uh, you know, when things do come back, the, I think the fans will definitely, there will be a demand, you know what I mean? So I, as long as there's a demand, somebody will step up and, and fill that demand. I just hope that we can all, uh, everyone in the heavy music business just, you know, hang on until we get to that point, you know? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask was, you know, you've mentioned writing of new music and I was wondering where are you guys or you personally per se where are you drawing your inspiration from and your motivation during this process uh for new music like is it not is it easy to get motivated and inspired at the moment or is it something that takes a bit of time and effort to get motivated and inspired um i would say it's like 
I, I will say lately I have been pretty bad about picking up and playing my guitar. But we've always just kind of been a band where we're pretty good about just getting to the jam space and writing like random shit there. So like I, I can come to practice and not have anything written and still like write a riff or write a song or something like that. So that's never been something that I've been too worried about. I, I, I really do need to play my guitar more at home, but I've just been everything just is uh, so I don't know sensory overload with everything going on in the world and America and all this stuff. So sometimes it is hard to, but when I, when I get to the spot and we're all jamming and writing music, it's like the motivation is there. It's like this, it's, it's fun. It's like the last like respite of like normalcy that I have. So it's like, uh, let me just bask in this, enjoy this, you know, two, two hour jam sesh that we have together. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, it's kind of how it is. We just, when we're together, it's like, oh, we always talk about like, oh man, like we're the only people that we like see really other than like, you know, a few of us do have jobs still. Um, and then other than that, like family members. And so it's like really fucking, or like girlfriends and spouses and stuff. So it's like, it's really like our getaway per se, you know, we can just kind of try to go back to some semblance of normalcy by jamming and hanging out. Hmm. Um, I think, I think it's, you know, we, we all probably are saying this at the same time, listening, pick up the fucking guitar, man, pick it up. Um, (laughs) but, um, I wanted to, one of the other things I want to talk about is I think the landscape of metal style wise is really quite exciting in 2020. Um, I'm an old, I'm an old bastard. I'm in my late thirties. So um, I remember when heavy music was just pretty much just trends or it felt like, you know, that was the trend. So that was all you really heard. And then there was that trend. But now the landscape of metal, yes, there's trends, but there's so much else going on. Um, so that means the industry is a lot more vibrant. There's opportunities more for bands. So what's it like for you from a band looking inwards or outwards as in the landscape of the heavy scene and also the landscape of just music in general. Oh, I think it's, I think it's great. Cause you're, you're, you know, you're talking to a guy who, you know, listens to and grew up with so many different styles and types of music that I think diversity is a spice of life, dude. Like mm. that's, that's my shit. I, I love mixed bill shows. I love, you know, uh, labels who have very, very different, um you know bands and artists uh, i think that's great I, I think that's sweet you know just expose people to different things it it opens people's perspectives and you know makes people at least you would think it would make people a little bit more open-minded you know one day at least if i my motto is yo if we play one of these shows where it's not a metal show but we're the only metal band on if even one kid was like yo that was sick i want to listen to that band and maybe try to find some other bands like it then that's cool because like there was bands like that for me and that was like a special journey that i took was just discovering new bands and discovering new genres and you know it it made me more open-minded just with my music taste and i feel like as a person and just like a, a, a mindset you know just kind of giving things new things a try and shit like that so I think that's really cool. I, I hope that continues to be a thing. And it also keeps the landscape like not stale. Like who would mm. who would want to listen to like, you know, a bunch of different versions of the same kind of thing, you know, like, like switch it up, you know? Like that's I think that's cool like that it's right now you can have a bunch of different 
just different styles and they all still be close enough that it's like you know they're grouped together but it's not the same you know yeah i also think an important thing for people with discovering the music not only through seeing them uh like you you guys live is also you know people criticize spotify for the revenue bands make but i think it's really important in some aspects because they'll go look at one band, let's just say Power Trip, and then it says in the recommendations or bands like it, there'll be Creeping Death. And then people go, ooh, I haven't heard that band. I'll check them out. And then suddenly you gain a fan. Exactly. Like, that's how, that's basically how I discovered, like, all of the music that, like, I got into after the age of 12 was uh, related artists or mm. just, like, the the next video up on the YouTube queue or or whatever, like, have, or, you know, stuff like that. Somebody would be like, oh, look up this band, and then I would just keep diving, like, bands that sound similar, you know. That's just kind of how that went for me. So, you know, just, and I feel like nowadays that style of spread is so much easier. Uh, information, it's almost, uh, it's scary, uh, almost. It's almost bad how fast information spreads, but if you use it in... the right way it can be an excellent tool especially when it comes to to music yeah um exactly now trey we've we've been smashing this uh and (laughs) we're almost finished what we do now is a segment called pick your poison so we're just going to have a bit of a light easy breezy finish to our chat and what happens here i give you two options all right and you pick your favorite of the two. You don't need to justify it, but you're welcome to justify it, okay? You can explain why you picked one over the other, okay? Okay, I probably will just because I, I like doing that. <laughs> hey, that's fine. Now, I'm not guaranteeing they're easy either, okay? Some will be, okay. but some are going to be hard. So, okay, we start off. You're going to go a pizza or a burger? Pizza. And pizza only because uh, Italian is my favorite uh, type of second tape, second favorite type of food. Okay. Uh, soft taco or crunchy taco? Uh, soft taco because that is how uh, tacos are supposed to be eaten. Crunchy tacos are an abomination to mankind. <laughs> That's the best answer for that one I've had. Um, <laughs> uh, ribs or brisket? Ooh, um, I, I'm actually a vegetarian now, so it's been a minute. But if I had to choose from back in the day, I got to go with, ah, dude, just, you know, a good rack of ribs is, is hard to beat. Okay. Uh, Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Ooh, uh, that's okay. So going back to my favorite types of food, Asian food is my favorite type of food. But Chinese food is not my favorite type of Asian food. So I think I'm going to go with the indian takeout that that's i love indian food and that kind of style of flavors i love spicy food in general so it's my speed oh same man love a bit of spice man got it got it um smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter uh smooth uh crunchy is, is uh, that's weird i don't know how people <laughs> eat that um coffee or tea Oh, tea. I'm from I'm from the South, man. I'm from Texas, dude. This is you know sweet tea. That's that's the move for me. Um, you gonna have a beer or a whiskey? Ooh, tequila. Hey. <laughs> uh, I guess if, if I had to choose between those two, I guess I'll have a, a beer. I think whiskey's pretty gross. Okay. Um, you gonna smoke a bowl 
or have a blunt? Ooh, blunt. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, question. Is it just me by myself or am I amongst friends? Okay, you've just got home. You've been out all day doing something. You're busy and it's just you by yourself and you're going to sit on the couch. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely smoking a bowl, then okay. it's not going to stink up the whole room. <laughs> yeah, see, a blunt is more of a social thing. So Yeah. Um, are you going to cook a meal at home, or would you rather go out and dine out? Ooh, um, pre-COVID, dine out. Post-COVID, I'm probably going to try to cook a meal here. Okay. Um, a new movie's coming out. You're going to go to the cinema, or are you going to wait to watch it on the couch? Oh, I'm going to wait to watch it on the couch. I, I have never, ever been a very big, like, watch the movie in this theater guy. I I just don't really like I, It's so much more comfortable at home. I can just, again, smoke a bowl and watch the movie. Yeah, you can also just pause it. You're like, hey, I'm just Yeah, gonna, yeah. You know, like, pause it, pee, you know, talk, look shit up, you know. Oh, it, I, I, you know, I understand why people like going to the cinema, but I'm like you, man. I don't, I don't see the point. It's also not a, no, It's very expensive to go to the cinemas. It just doesn't make sense. Dude, Dude, t- like ten dollars a ticket and then seven dollars for the popcorn. It's like, bro, come on now, <laughs> rip off. Um, now, would you rather spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow? Oh, beach! Fuck the snow! Fuck the cold! <laughs> There's a reason that I live below the Mason. I've only lived in California or below the Mason Dixon line. I I don't fuck with the cold. And my dad is from New York. My mom is from Ohio. And they're like, yeah, we're good on that. We're going to stay down here. (laughs) Yeah, there's a reason my wife and I moved to a place called the Sunshine Coast. Uh, (laughs) Sounds awesome. All those places in Australia sound like that. Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast. Yeah, but, you know, if you're in the south part of Australia and any of our Aussie listeners listening, too fucking cold. It is freezing down there. So keep up north. Um, you're fine. Um, PlayStation or Xbox? Oh, I'm a, I'm a Sony fanboy. PlayStation for sure. All right. Are you a Gears of War or Metal Gear Solid? Oh, see, I know I just said I was a Sony fanboy, but Gears of War. I I've never been really good with the stealthy games, man. Like my my good friends really love Metal Gear, but I I just don't have the patience. <laughs> Neither do I, man. It's too hard. Um, Doom or Halo? So then that's I guess. Halo. Oh, damn, dude, you're, you're getting me with all these Halo. Yeah, again, I, I'm talking shit about Xbox, but here I am <laughs> calling out all the Xbox games. But yeah, Halo, dude, that's a big part of my childhood. Halo, Halo Two. Uh, what about Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter? Oh, Mortal Kombat because it's more violent. <laughs> that's it. Just I love the the fatality. Like that's my shit. <laughs> Um, okay, this is a bit of a callback. Would you rather go a Game Boy or the Nintendo Switch? Oh, Game Boy. I had so much I had so much fun on my Game Boy. I had so many Pokemon games. I had like the first three or four generations of Pokemon games, dude. I love that thing. What about Super Mario series or the Zelda series? Oh, okay. If I was a child, I would go Mario because it's easier. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, I would think I would say Zelda because that kind of tickles my fancy a little bit more. It's a little bit more engaging. Um, are you a cat or a dog person? Ooh, see, funny thing. I've actually never owned a pet before. Um, so they're they're okay. they're pretty equal. I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with either of them. Okay. I, they don't. It doesn't really make sense to really hate 
one or the other. I think they're both sweet, and it really depends on the owner more than anything. Hey, well answered. Man. I know that's a cop out. <laughs> no, no, I'll give you a draw on that one. We'll allow the we'll allow a draw on that one. Um, okay. Okay, some movie ones: um, Terminator franchise or Predator franchise. Oh, Terminator. Okay. For sure. I mean, I love Predator, but like the Terminator movies are better. T2 is better than any Predator movie by a lot. Yeah. Uh, Rambo franchise or Rocky franchise? Ooh. <laughs> Rambo because it's violent. <laughs> <laughs> I see I see a common thread here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rambo, like, oof, yeah. I mean, Rocky's good and all, but kind of no disrespect to it, but they're all just the same. Looks like he's going to lose, but then he wins. Uh, Rambo just blows yeah. shit up and kills a million people. So fucking <laughs> yeah. Um, Freddy or Jason? Ooh, that is a really good one, man. You know what? Ah, oh, man, that's tough. Cause I like both franchises and both movies. I I guess I think I like more of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Ooh. I think I like more of those movies better. So. Okay. What about, are you a Star Wars or a Star Trek? Oh, Star Wars by a mile. Okay. Uh, what about more modern horror franchises, Saw or Hostel? Saw. Saw because I just love how ridiculous they are. <laughs> I mean, Hostel's <laughs> ridiculous, but like Saw is just like, they jump the shark after like the first couple and they don't give a fuck. So mm. I, I'm with that. Lean into your shit, you know. Um, South Park or Simpsons? Simpsons for sure. First, first nine seasons of The Simpsons are, is better than anything South Park has ever created ever. Uh, Anchorman or Step Brothers? <sighs> That's another tough one. So two really quotable movies, man. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I personally, I guess I would have to go Anchorman. I, I think Anchorman is is my choice for that one, but barely, like literally by a centimeter. What about? Wolverine or Deadpool? Um, I think I'd have to go with. Damn, I I mean the recent Deadpool movies are so funny, but I think I'd go with Wolverine. I think I like Wolverine a little bit more. Okay, now we're gonna get into music ones. Now these potentially might be the ones that will break you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. Slayer or Pantera? Ooh, that one is tough, but I got to go with Slayer. I'm barely, though. I know my Texan people are probably like, what the fuck? But <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Slayer, but just literally barely. Uh, Terra or Madball? Ooh, I mean, Scott would be so fucking pissed at me. If I said terror, so I'm going to go with Madball. <laughs> he would be, you'd be yelling at me being like, how the fuck are you going to pick terror over Madball when we wouldn't even be a band without Madball? But I'm like, uh, yeah, all right, I'm going to go with Madball. I mean, that, you know, that sound is pretty iconic. Uh, Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Uh, Cannibal Corpse. Nothing against the Black Dahlia mur- Murder, but the Cannibal Corpse, is, that just tickles my fancy a little bit more. Uh, dying Fetus or Death? Oh man, dude, that, that is really tough. That was your curveball, right there. That was really tough because I love both of them a lot, and I listen to both of them very, very, very frequently. I love <laughs> side side note. 
That album, Wrong One to Fuck With by Dying Fetus, anyone listening that has not heard that fucking album, go fucking listen to it. That is one of my favorite fucking albums in that game. I love that album. I love that band. I guess, oof, you know what? I like breakdowns, so Mm. I'm going to go with Dying Fetus. And that, that's not to say death isn't good. So, you know, oh, yeah, death good. is amazing. They're also one of my favorite death metal bands, period. And there's actually going to be a, probably a little bit of death influence on the uh, the new record. So. Ooh. Um, okay. Dumu or Behemoth? Uh, Behemoth. Okay. That style is not really, like, I'm not super into it uh, a lot. But I've listened to both bands, and I, I kind of like Behemoth more. What about Anthrax or Testament? Ooh, I know Testament is not a part of the big four, but Testament. Dude, Testament goes so hard. They're mm-hmm. so slept on, dude. Um, okay. Some more contemporary ones. Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie? Oh, Rob Zombie. Only because, uh, what is that one song? My friend, my friend's band covered it. Um... Oh, what's the famous Rob Zombie song? I can't even remember. I'm not a, really a huge fan of either, but I'm going to go with Rob Zombie because I watched one of my friend's band's cover Rob Zombie once, and I thought it was cool. That's probably that track, Dragula, or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. one. That one. They covered that one. It's a very cliche bam, song. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> um, okay, just based off their debut album, would you rather fuck with Suicide Silence or Whitechapel? Oh man, dude. That okay, so like 14-year-old Trey would be having a fucking conniption right now over this choice <laughs> cuz I was super into deathcore. Oh, uh, damn, dude. That one's really hard cuz that's very two two of them I very liked. Uh initial one, oh man. I guess uh, I'll go with White Chapel because Ooh. that song Viser Exciser uh, is probably it's uh, it's my favorite White Chapel track and I think it might be a little bit better than the the best suicide silence track which is probably unanswered so ooh that track is a fucking killer track um all right last couple of music ones and then we'll got a couple left um converge or dillinger escape plan converge uh nothing against dillinger but i, I convert like jane doe goes hard like that goes so fucking hard so uh biggie or tupac Oh, Biggie. My dad's from Brooklyn. He'd fucking disown me if I said some <laughs> West Coast rapper was be- better than any East Coast rapper. Okay, well, then the next one is, um, are you a Wu-Tang or an N.W.A.? Uh, gotta be Wu-Tang. Again, the, the East East Coast. Like I, I like East Coast rap more than West Coast rap. That's just my personal thing. Now, last few. You're playing a show. Now, do you want stage dives going on or do you want mic grabs going on? Ooh, that's tough. Um, with our band, I would say uh, stage dives. I, I'm. We need more stage dives in death metal. Not like more people just need to stage dive, please. To to quote Mr. Vogel, I need more stage dives in my fallback. More of them. More yeah. of them. We couldn't even get. We we had a hard time getting stage dives for, on that territory. They were. They did not want to get up close to. They were. People just want to spin kick, man. Like. <laughs> Get up close. Let's let's stage dive. Let's vary up the show. I don't want to just be a spin cake man. Um, you're going to go to a show on your day off. Are you going to watch it from the pit or are you going to watch it from up the back? 
Oh, I'm watching it from the the back where the uh, the sound booth is. Mm-hmm. Wherever the sound booth is, I'm standing next to it and watching the show. If it's a mic show, uh, that is where the be- like that's where it sounds the best. No matter where it is, where you're standing, it's gonna sound better there than anywhere else. So, if you want to feel safe and be able, to- I'm also six three, so I could see over everyone. Ooh, so yeah. that helps too. So you know, I'm tall. I'm standing by the best sounding thing. That's that's my wave. Now, the next one, I know you need one to go with the other, like they work in unison, but if you only had to pick one, would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record for the rest of your life? Oh, tour. I fucking hate recording. The recording process is fucking ass, dude. I, <laughs> I suck at it. I, I'm always like, all right, ready? Ah, oh, God damn it. Do it again. Ah, oh, God damn it. Do it again. And they're like, dude, just keep playing. Like, just, just keep playing through it and it'll be fine. But yeah, I, I fucking hate recording. That's that shit is so tedious and fucking I'm I'm not like a gear nerd either. So it's like all the science of it is just like I'm like over my head. So <laughs> let's just let's rather tour. <laughs> That's my speed. Now, last one. I'm going to give you your all time favorite album. Do you want it on CD, vinyl or do you want it on your phone? Oh, on my phone. <laughs> I don't even have a record player, bro. <laughs> Um, Trey, first things first, you're a fucking dude. You're a fucking legend. Um, that was, fuck man, that, that is one of the most fun chats I've had. It was so chill. It was really relaxed. It felt like, man, we were just hanging out, fucking just having a chat. Um, dude, that's the, that's the, that's my favorite part about all this is I like, I actually don't really like besides my bandmates and like my friends via like text and stuff. It's nice to just talk to other people for like you know, periods of time, especially people that, you know, I don't know. You just not like I get to meet new people like very often right now. So it's nice to be able to just hang out and shoot the shit. You know, that's, that's what I at least try to make all of these things like. Well, that was the thing for me. Not only did, were we shooting the shit, but it kind of felt like, I mean, and it's a compliment to the kind of person you are. I felt like I already knew you. Like it really, you know, it was easy to go down conversations, um, but also I loved it because I'm a fan uh, of what you guys do. So for me, you know, I I like having bands that some people maybe haven't discovered yet because that's how I see music. I love showing people bands I haven't discovered. And we have a very broad listening base. We've got a lot of Americans and Canadians and Europeans and Australians. Um, some will know the band, some won't. And fuck, man, I'm just stoked that people can hear about a band that I love, um, so it means a lot. Thank you, I really appreciate that, man. That that's so cool that you that you that you do that and fuck fuck with that because I I completely agree with you. I'm I'm the same way. Like, there's no better feeling than like showing someone a band and they're like, "Yo, this is really cool." And I'm like, "Yo, thank you. I'm glad you liked it." You know. But yeah, thanks again, man. I can't say thank you enough. Uh, it means a lot. So um, yeah, you have a good rest of your day. You're a fucking legend. I'll stay in touch. Um, and- Dude, absolutely. Please do. And much love and much respect as well, brother. You too. Take it easy, bro. All right. Take care, brother.
So that was my chat with Trey of Creeping Death. At the end there, you heard the band's track, Wretched Illusions. The second track you heard was called Consumed. Both of those are from the band's album titled Wretched Illusions. The third track you heard was Revenge, which is from the band's EP Spectre of War. Now's the part of the show, now's the moment in the show where I spark that bit of interest inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed the conversation, if you enjoyed the music at the end there, now's your chance, jump online, stream it, download it, consume it. If you're into physical copies, get online, grab a CD, grab a vinyl. If you're into merchandise, get online also and grab yourself a t-shirt, a hoodie or some mosh shorts. Before I forget, I've got to take another moment to thank Trey. Thank you so very much, dude. You're a fucking legend. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone, episode 124. Done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.